Awesome. Well, tonight we are continuing our series, Chasing the Heart of God. And we're looking at the life of David. And so if you weren't here last week, I want to give you just a little bit of a recap to launch us into tonight's message. If you were here last week, awesome. If you weren't, go to the Second Students North app, check out the audio tab, and listen to last week's message. I believe God will speak to you through that message that Jay Gray brought us. So, uh, if you weren't here, just know this, is that what we looked at last week was the building up of young David's character. And David was a young shepherd boy. We knew that God was doing a lot of preparation work in David's life in the field in preparation for one day when David would be king. If y'all remember, Jonathan talked to us about that, that specific moment in time, that victory moment that David had with that giant named, what's his name? Goliath. He was over nine feet tall. He was gigantic. And David had that moment where he defeated the giant. And if y'all remember, he cut off the head of the giant, walked into a tent, and he's like, oh, what's up? <laughs> y'all remember that moment? He walked in with the head of, Gol of Goliath, freaking some people out. But what was the most important thing that we looked at from that story was, was the fact that we can learn from this, is that in our lives, we all desire to have that moment. We desire to have that moment where we see the faithfulness of God, we see the promises of God, and we see the victory in our faith. But oftentimes, we miss out on wanting that moment that we miss out on the moment that God has us in right now and the preparation that God's doing in our lives today. He's preparing every single one of us today for the future of tomorrow. So David was chasing after the heart of God. David, is, according to scripture, was a man after God's own heart. And God had raised up a warrior and a king. So chasing after the heart of God, know this tonight, students, is that God is not running from you, but God is seeking every single one of us tonight. So let's begin with prayer, and we'll dive in tonight. Lord, thank you so much for gathering us here. And we pray that, Lord, you would speak to us tonight that we would receive your word well, we would apply it, and we walk out of here changed. Lord, thank you for this time, in Jesus' name, amen. One of the latest movies I went to is a popular movie, it's also called Rogue One, Star Wars. Any Star Wars fans out there? Few people. How many of you guys have seen the trailer for the new one coming out, The Last Jedi? That gave me goosebumps, I'm not gonna lie, gave me goosebumps. Even kind of fired me up for Dark Wars coming up April 7th, junior high students, so just get ready, that's on the radar. Well, what's some of the, the basic essentials when you go to a movie? I don't know about you. Um, I gotta be careful because I wanna get the large drink. But as we know that when you go to a movie, you gotta be careful to get a large drink because you're gonna drink it and then halfway through, what, 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 has, what, what do you do? You, that's right, you leave and you go use the restroom and you miss like some movie time and you're coming back and everyone's like, shh, and you're like, what did I miss? And they're like, shh, okay, so that's the worst. But what are some other essentials in a movie? You gotta have some candy, right? I'm a sucker for Thin Mints. Anybody else like Thin Mints out there? All right. I love getting Thin Mints. It's awesome. But we all know every movie is not complete until you have a bucket of popcorn. And if you haven't yet found the machine over on the side of the room, I don't know why they try to hide it. I get it. They're trying to keep flow going. But why would they try to hide one of the best machines ever invented in the world? It's that, I heard it. You, you, you go over and you stick your tub underneath this little dispenser and you hit that red button. Butter, butter makes it better. 
You press that button, you just layer that, that bucket of popcorn with butter, and you walk into your movie, and you start watching previews, and you're just digging into your popcorn, and the movie's about to start, and you look down in your bucket, and what happened? It's like gone. It's like almost gone, and the movie hasn't even started, and you're about to be there for two and a half hours. Isn't that funny how you started off with something that you love and you like so much or something that you have you think is so good and before you know it, you've gone so far that you don't know how you got there. Well, tonight, with that being said, I want us to look at the life of David and how he was chasing after the heart of God. He was pursuing God. He was loving God. And he had some amazing victories and defeating armies. And all of a sudden, he got to a point in his life, in the pursuit of God, where he began stumbling And he got to a point where he didn't quite understand how did he end up in this mess? How did he lose focus of chasing after God? How could he stumble and mess up so big? So our story tonight picks up in in 2 Samuel chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, if you're taking notes, 2 Samuel chapter 11. We're going to begin in verse 1. This is a story of a man who loved God, who said, I love God. I am, I'm chasing and pursuing after God, but we know this, is that even none of us in this room tonight are perfect. None of us have it all together, and David is likewise. So we have a lot to learn from David, that he tripped up along the way. So let's read this together. 2 Samuel chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out for war, let's pause just for a second. It says, normally go out for war. David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. It says that the kings are supposed to go out to war, but what did David decide to do? He decided to stay right where he was. So if you're taking notes, jot this down tonight. David abandoned his purpose. David abandoned his purpose. He he abandoned his role as king. He was supposed to be out there with his troops, with his commanding officers. He was supposed to be out there. That's what normally took place, but David abandoned his purpose and his role. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, can y'all, would you all just love a midday rest from time to time? Like, hey, teacher, pause, hold up. I gotta have my midday rest, and no, we're not gonna play heads up, seven up. We're just gonna put my head right here on the desk. Can y'all, would that be awesome? And you wouldn't have to worry about getting in trouble? I mean, come on, that'd be amazing. So David took his midday rest, and David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. I'm jealous. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. Can I pause just for a second? I wanna set this up very carefully. You'll see it on the screen, I want you to write it down. When we're in the moment, desire can blind us to the sinful choices we're about to make. When we are in the moment, I want you to write that down, when we're in the moment, any moment, any moment that we're not prepared for, we haven't made previous choices and decisions to, to guard our hearts and remain pure, desire, desire of our flesh, can blind us where we don't necessarily see the consequences of our actions. We don't see the, the, how it plays out. Desire, sin can blind us, and we walk into it. I needed to pause and to set this up because David wakes up from a nap. 
He wasn't where he was supposed to be. He wakes up from a nap. He walks out onto his balcony and he notices this beautiful woman taking a bath. Verse three, he sent someone to find out who she was and he was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. You see, David was beginning to focus on his own desires. David was giving in to temptation when temptation came knocking and he didn't run away from it and jot this down. David deliberately sinned. He deliberately sinned. You gotta think about the effort it took to notice a beautiful woman, but then to send somebody to come and bring her to himself. He chose to sin. She had just completed, oh, we'll skip that, keep going on. Then she returned home. Later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent David a message saying, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. Now, I've got four children, Joshua, who's six, Annalie, who's four, Elizabeth, who's two, and Joanna, who is three months old. And one of the most uh, memorable moments of my life was finding out that we were pregnant with sweet Elizabeth, my wife was on a trip to New Orleans with some of her friends. Uh, and I say friends, friends and her sisters and mother. And I remember getting a text message. Notice I didn't say a phone call. Notice I didn't say that my wife came back to tell me some good news. She sent me a text message, hey, we're pregnant. <laughs> what? Huh? I mean, I don't know, have you ever gotten those text messages before where it kind of like gives you like a shock factor, You're like, what? Huh? Yeah, I had that moment. One of the most celebratory moments of your life, when you're married, you and your spouse can celebrate that moment that, well, God has given you a child. It is a huge moment, it's a, it's a jaw-dropping moment. So imagine David, who brought Bathsheba to him, not married, had a moment together, Bathsheba goes away, and then later says, hey, I'm pregnant, what? Imagine David, in that moment, being surprised. But could he really be surprised? He deliberately sinned, but he didn't see the immediate consequences until this moment. Then David sent word to Joab, verse six, send me Uriah. Remember Uriah was the husband of Bathsheba, the Hittite? So Joab sent him to David. When Uriah arrived, David asked him how Joab and the army were getting along and how the war was progressing. Then he told Uriah, go on home and relax. <laughs> hey, Uriah, I'm glad you're back from war. Why don't you go see your wife? Go hang out with your wife. I want you to go be with your wife. David even sent a gift to Uriah after he had left the palace. But Uriah didn't go home. Instead, he slept that night at the palace entrance with the king's palace guard. Later on in the story, it continues to go on, and what you see here is that David continues to cover up his mistakes. He tries to get Uriah to go home and be with his wife so that, so that, it would obviously come to mind that, oh, obviously Bathsheba and Uriah are now pregnant because he came home from war and she's pregnant, that makes sense, no problem. Well, Uriah never went home. So David got kind of fed up. He's like, what do I do? 
I got an idea. So he sent a messenger to tell Uriah, hey, send him to the front line of the war, the battle. And Uriah was killed. David had essentially sent Uriah out on a suicide mission to be killed. Wow, that popcorn moment, right? David, king in his palace on the rooftop enjoying the victories, walks out and all of a sudden sins with Bathsheba, begins lying and deceiving and, and the murder. Have your parents ever told you that sometimes the lie is worse than the offense created or committed? Have your parents ever told you that? I don't know about you, but I, I made mistakes along the way growing up. I'd get in trouble for things, and I'd try to cover it up. How many of y'all are good liars? Okay, everyone look around the room. <laughs> totally messing with you. Okay, be honest, I could not lie growing up. Like, I would try so hard. My mom would just look at me with that look, you know what I'm talking about, just like, and I just quivered. And I could not lie. I always told the truth. David was trying to cover his tracks, and it cost him even more. He sent a man to be murdered. He deceived, he murdered, and it wasn't pretty. Something we can learn from this is that the motive of our heart, the motives of our heart will ultimately be played out in our actions. The motives, the things that are going through your brain, the thoughts, the intentions of your heart. Y'all check this out, write this down. The motives of your heart and my heart eventually will play themselves out into our actions and our words and the things that we do. David's heart became unfocused. A man after God's own heart became, all of a sudden was sidetracked and his actions played out. Guys, if I can speak to you just for a moment, where are my men at? Okay, that was kind of weak. Like, let me give you a little opportunity to redeem yourself here, guys. Where are my men at? Okay, perfect. You decided to go with the high-pitched noise, okay. Um, guys, if I can, just for a moment, a simple, practical piece of wisdom for you. Are you ready? Be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. Men, every single one of you should write this down. Be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. I really pray that you're writing this down. I feel really badly if you're not writing this down because this is something you need to take with you. Be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there every single time. Where was David supposed to be, men? In battle. That was his responsibility, that was his duty. He neglected that, he abandoned that. He wasn't where he was supposed to be when he was supposed to be there and it caused a massive snowball effect and he found himself in a situation impregnating a woman, killing her husband and trying to cover it all up. What about you, men? Are you searching for things on your phone and the internet that you shouldn't be looking at? Are you looking at things that are deceiving your eyes and blinding you because you're giving in to the desires of your flesh? Be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. Young ladies, girls, where are my girls at? Now ladies, there's a great lesson to be learned here as well from Bathsheba, and that's this. Close your curtains. <laughs> Write it down, girls. 
I know it's silly, isn't it? But you imagine, Bathsheba could not have been that stupid. She had to have known that she was beautiful. The Bible says that when David looked out, he saw an unusually beautiful girl. So my thought was, does that mean all the other girls are ugly? Like, what does that mean? Like, but the scripture says that she was unusually beautiful. If you're that gorgeous, you got to know. You'd be like, <laughs> thanks. Why in the world, why in the world would she choose to say, okay, it's time for me to get clean. <laughs> I'm gonna go and do it right out here. Girls. Are the windows of, to your life just completely open where everybody can just see right in? What does your social media say? What are the things that you share with people? What does that look like privately, publicly? The things that you share publicly, what does that look like? Are you opening yourself up in ways that you shouldn't be? What are you sending privately? Trying to open yourself up, you know exactly what you're doing and you're only hurting yourself and you're only finding false hope. You're only seeking after the, the things of this world. And guys, listen, if you're gonna be where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there, so many things can be absolutely avoided. If David had walked out onto that balcony, let's do a little bit of what if it came, and he'd happened to notice a beautiful woman outside on her balcony, if a man who was continually focusing after Jesus, a man who was desiring to walk with God, if his heart had been right, he would have what? He would have bounced his eyes. I need y'all to write this down, girls and guys. Learn and train to bounce your eyes. It's one thing to acknowledge someone of beauty, something that is around you and taking place, but it's another thing to gaze, to stare, to begin developing thoughts about what is taking place. Begin to train and bounce your eyes. I had a pastor say this to me once. You have to learn to refocus. Ah, oh, there's a beautiful woman, bounce my eyes. If I gotta be a spaz, I will bounce my eyes. Literally, I will be thinking about a thousand billion other different things and I will learn to bounce my eyes. I acknowledge what is taking place, but I am choosing not to look, not to indulge, but to run away and flee. You see, David forgot something. If he had made a decision way before in advance to say, God, I desire to live a pure life, I desire to continue to chase you, and I don't wanna be someone who gives in and indulges myself, and I wanna be where I'm supposed to be, but we know he's not perfect, and he took a small step of sin, and then what happened? He forgot his choice. And you and I have to make choices before we get into moments of temptation. If we're in a moment of temptation and we haven't yet made a choice, we could be in danger. Because in those moments, our desires will blind us. And we could fall victim to further sin. What is your choice tonight? What is your choice to say, God, I wanna chase after you, I wanna seek you, and then, Lord, I know along the way that I'm not gonna be perfect, I know that I'm gonna stumble, but Lord, in those moments, may I just fall on my face and ask for your forgiveness. May you strengthen me in my moments of weakness. God, we know that your tempta the temptations of this world are not too big for you, Lord, and that you give me a way to escape and to flee the devil and his traps. 
God sent Nathan, a, a prophet, he sent Nathan to David, and God chose Nathan to speak truth into David's life. Nathan, with love, called David out and said, you have committed a sin against God. And David hears the words of Nathan and he's broken. He didn't get defensive and say, you're a jerk, stop judging me. He said, man, you're right, I blew it, I messed up. David was absolutely broken. I wanna share something with you guys, this comes in Psalm 51 verse 10. I want you to write down Psalm 51 and I want you to go read the cry of David in this moment of brokenness, this moment of repentance. I know it's a a big fancy church word, but this moment of repentance where he is so broken, he's, he's crying and he wants to run away from that. He feels so ashamed, he feels so guilty. And here's what he says in the middle of this, this cry to God, he says this in verse 10. He says, create in me God, create in me. And y'all look at the screen, it says what? A clean heart. A clean heart, oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. He was so broken. God, would you clean me? Would you forgive me? Would you wash my sins away? Take it, forgive me. I can't take this. He was so broken and that was his cry. A repentant heart, a broken heart, God can take and make beautiful and complete. If you would draw near to Jesus, he will draw near to you. And don't let the sin of your life take you so far away from God to where you get so lost and you think I could never run back. You can. You can stop right where you're at, run back to the Lord, ask for forgiveness. Or we can make decisions beforehand that says, when those moments come, I'm not gonna run towards the temptation, I will run as far away as I possibly can from temptation. If this is the line, if this right here is the line, and I'm close to crossing it, if I wanna kinda put one foot over and maybe dabble, uh uh-uh, this isn't the game we're gonna play. If this is the line of temptation, instead of playing or flirting with the line, I'm gonna go ahead and stay way over here. I'm making a choice and a decision. There's a redemptive moment here, students. Let me tell you, Bathsheba and David had a son later on named Solomon. Solomon wrote a couple books of the scriptures, became king, is also known as one of the wisest kings of all time. He asked God, Solomon, this is Solomon, David's son, the new king, he said, God, would you grant me wisdom? God would have given him anything, but God gave Solomon wisdom, and Solomon, listen students, Solomon, and Bathsheba became part of the genealogy of Jesus. Well, how's this possible? David was a sinner, he he sinned with Bathsheba and then Solomon came along and later if you follow the lineage, Jesus is a part of that family. And I don't know what your family looks like but mine's pretty screwed up. I don't know about your life but mine, hey, I've messed up too. But just like David, I don't know about you but I've cried out to God and I've asked him to forgive me. I've asked him to strengthen me. I've asked him to renew a steadfast spirit within me, to pursue him and to chase after him with all that I am. That's what we're calling to you tonight, calling you and inviting all of you 
Look at Jesus, pursue him and chase after him with all that you are and look what he's gonna do in your life. 